Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, South Valley. Great to see you guys today. We got a packed house this morning. That's pretty encouraging. Yeah, amen. Hey, so good to see you guys. My name is Ricky Hemi. Thanks for joining us online. Thanks for joining us in person. We had an amazing week on our campus this week. We did a few uh, incredible events. One is on Tuesday, we had a senior luncheon over in the chapel. Some of you guys went to the senior luncheon. Can I hear it for the, for the seniors in the house today? Let's give it up for them. We love you guys. It was a packed out, it was a packed out lunch. It was amazing to see. And uh, just so you know, if you ever want to join them for the senior luncheon, it's the second Tuesday of the month in the chapel, 11.30 a.m. So we'd love for you guys to go to that if you ever want to check it out. The other thing that we did this week, which was incredible, it was my first time seeing this on our campus, and that was fifth quarter. You guys hear about fifth quarter? We had 425 kids show up to fifth quarter. And, and that was encouraging. So it was very encouraging to see the kids, have them walk in, have a good time. But there were some other things that were even more encouraging to me. One was uh, our students, so the, the kids who call South Valley home, they came early to the event. They set up, they helped, they served, and they were just very proud. They're just so proud to see their campus used in a way to bless their school. The other thing that was cool, though, was we had an army of volunteers. We had some parents here volunteering. We had students volunteering. And and our parking lot crew, who always does an amazing job with security and greeting and all that stuff in the parking lot, they were here till midnight doing security for us at fifth quarter. So thank you guys for serving. Thank you so much for serving. Uh, today we're launching into a new sermon series called What Do You Know About Grace? What do you know about grace? I'm super, super excited for this series. It's a six-week series. And in this series, we're going to look at six different episodes, six different Jesus encounters meant to teach us six different lessons about God's amazing grace. Today we sang about God's amazing grace. Do you believe that Jesus' grace is amazing in your life? His grace, it is multifaceted. His grace, it's more than just salvation. It reaches down into every crevice of our heart, into our lives, and into the world around us. And so we're going to learn a lot about God's grace, Jesus' grace. And one thing we know about Jesus is this. Jesus is full of grace. 
John 1.16 says, For from him we have from him, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. From Jesus comes grace on top of grace on top of grace. And when you think that you can't get any more grace, get what, guess what you get in return? More grace. Grace, theologians point out, is unmerited favor. Unmerited love and blessing from God. Favor that brings joy, favor that brings healing, favor that brings hope, and it all comes from Jesus. Well, in today's encounter, we're going to look at an encounter between Jesus and a paralyzed man. Okay, this was a man who was stuck in his bed, unable to walk. He was physically stuck, so stuck that his friends had to carry him around from place to place. And, and before we jump in the passage, I want you to try to imagine for a second what it might be like to be this man. Some of you, you understand what it's like to live with debilitating pain. You understand what it's like to live with a debilitating disease. You understand what it's like for your body to feel like it's, it's failing you. And if you've ever been in that spot, you know that when your body doesn't feel right, and some of you have been in that for years, and, and, and you've had every day is a fight, every day is a struggle, every day is a battle, you know that when your body's not doing well, it seeps down into your soul, and so sometimes your soul isn't doing well. Well, this man, he, he was stuck in a bed. But this man, he wasn't just stuck by himself, because what we see is that this man had incredible, incredible friends. They wouldn't let him just stay there and waste away. They were going to do whatever it took to get their buddy in front of Jesus. Today's sermon is titled, Grace Heals. Grace Heals. Let's pray and jump into our message this morning. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for South Valley. I thank you for the people in this room today. On Friday night, I was so encouraged to see parents here helping and, and wanting to bless our teenagers, to see our security crew, men and women here helping, wanting to bless our teenagers, our students on campus excited, Jonathan and Rigo doing their thing, uh, to be there at this, the senior luncheon on Tuesday. Lord, there's some amazing things happening here. And we know that we're living in a time where that's really confusing and discouraging. And when we turn on the news, we hear bad news upon bad news, and, and it, can, it can weigh on us. But God, we need to remember that you are alive and well and at work. And you can work through us. You want to work through us. And so I pray today that we would trust in your amazing grace, that we would know that your grace doesn't stop. You are, you're full of grace, Jesus. Grace upon grace upon grace. Help us to be reminded today that your grace heals. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles now to Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. This is the encounter between Jesus and a paralyzed man. Luke 5, starting in verse 17. This is what it says. On one of those days, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, they were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to what? To heal. Next part. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. 
And the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he'd been lying on, and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. That is our passage this morning, an incredible passage. For the bulk of this series, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapters 5 through 8. So that's the bulk of this series. So I want to set up the the setting of our passage because it's going to be helpful in the coming passages as well. So what's the setting of this passage? Well, Luke 5 paints a scene of some good old-fashioned house-to-house ministry. Okay, so you guys know our, our young adult group. Our, I mean, our next-gen group's been meeting in homes, okay? This is some good old-fashioned grassroots ministry, meeting from house to house. And, and one thing you're going to notice about Jesus is that oftentimes he met with people in, in close proximity to people. He met in their homes. He'd go in your home to dine with you. He'd go in your home to celebrate with you. He'd go in your home to answer questions that you have about faith, answer questions that you have about the Bible. He'd go in your home to teach you. He'd go in your home to heal you. Jesus often did ministry around the dinner table. Jesus liked food. Do you guys like food? Jesus loved food. Okay, Jesus is always on his way to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. Did you guys notice that in the Gospels? Jesus ate a lot of food. He did a lot of ministry around the dinner table. It wasn't always a crowd. It wasn't always a big scene. Jesus was very personal. He'd have you close up. He'd enter into your home. He'd hear you. He'd get involved in your life. He'd be close and personal. Another important factor in this passage was was that Jesus' popularity at this point in his ministry had begun to explode. Okay, all of Israel was now buzzing about Jesus. Everyone was wondering, who is this guy? What's he about? Can he really do the things that we've heard that he can do? I want to see. I want to know. If he's, if he's traveling through my town, I want to invite him over to my house. Or I want to go figure out where he's teaching. I want to see for myself. Well, on this particular day, Jesus was ministering in a house. And this house was bursting at the seams. Okay, there, there, there was crowds spilling over out of this house. And this is actually saying a lot because this was likely a wealthy man's house. And, and the reason we know that this was a wealthy person's house is because it had tiles on the roof, which, was, which wasn't common back then. So this person had a big house. And, and people are gathering to hear Jesus and it's spilling out of the house. Well, in the crowd that day, As the crowds are growing, as Jesus' fame is increasing, we see that there are three different kinds of people in the crowd on that particular occasion. And these three groups of people are usually present in every worship gathering. They're present every time Jesus teaches, and they're usually present every time we worship on a Sunday. Okay, these, these groups are almost always present in a worship gathering. And so as I identify each group today, I want you to, to kind of wrestle through which group you relate to 
this morning. So group number one, who was the first group in the crowd? The first group in the crowd were the skeptics. The skeptics. Maybe you relate to the skeptics. Maybe someone brought you today and, and, and you actually you came here today not to, not to really receive a word, but to really maybe you wanted to criticize the church or maybe you wanted to, to kind of debate with somebody about, about your beliefs. There, it's okay to start off as a skeptic, but Jesus is going to call the skeptics to something deeper. Here we see that there are skeptics in the crowd. Look at the passage. It says this. On one of those days as he was teaching... Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And look what they say. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? This group was not there to learn and grow and hear from Jesus. This group was there to criticize Jesus. They were there to discredit Jesus. Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've had the occasional skeptic or hater in your life. Okay, we've all had haters here and there, skeptics here and there. But Jesus' haters, they were especially challenging because Jesus' haters were the politicians and religious leaders of the day. Those are some challenging haters. Okay, for if, if your haters are the people of power, then your life is going to be very challenging. Jesus' haters were the politicians, the religious leaders. And, and the reason why is because Jesus had become a target to them. At this point in Jesus' ministry, his fame is increasing. They're hearing about his teachings. He's been attacking the system of the day. Okay, he was, he was not content with the status quo. He was attacking some of the teachings of the political leaders, some of the teachings of the religious leaders, and they were hearing about this this grumbling. They were hearing about some of his teachings, and so they're wanting to see firsthand, what what is this guy about? And so Luke chapters 5 through 8, the the main chapters we're going to study, it records showdown after showdown between Jesus and the leaders, and every time Jesus broke one of their man-made rules, they would have a fit. They, their, their group would grow. They'd follow Jesus from place to place, trying to trap him, trying to discredit him, trying to stop him in his tracks. Why? Why would these politicians and these leaders do that? Well, because they felt that their power was threatened. We know back in the day that politics was all about power. Has anything changed today? Politics is all about power. Who has the power? Who gets to make the rules? Who has the real say? Who has the real influence? Who is really on top? These people were feeling like, oh man, Jesus might knock us off of our high and holy place. And so they began to be skeptical and to attack Jesus and to go and and watch him so they could trap him. They feared Jesus and so they devised ways to discredit him. The second group in attendance that day, though, were the seekers. The seekers. Now, the seekers were the truly curious ones. Maybe today you came to church as a seeker. You're wondering, is this for me? Is this really something I could get behind? You're truly 
curious. Well, there were curious people in the crowd. Okay, the the seekers, you know, they loved the crowds. They loved the buzz. They wanted to see for themselves what the fuss was all about. Okay, that's what the seekers were doing. And here's the thing. Jesus often accommodated seekers. Okay, so if you're coming today as a seeker, I want you to know that you are welcome at South Valley. Okay, we want you to come and seek and look for answers. You are welcome, okay? We welcome seekers. Jesus welcomed seekers. He'd meet in their homes. He'd answer their questions. He'd feed them. He'd heal them. He'd teach them. He would do all of those things. But, but I also want to point something out. At some point, Jesus challenges seekers to stop seeking and to be sold out. He challenges skeptics to become seekers. He challenges seekers to become sold out. Many seekers in the gospel accounts, sadly, they remained seekers and on the fringes forever. And the reason we know this is because although Jesus preached to thousands and thousands of people all at one time, giant crowds at the end of his ministry before he's resurrected and and goes and ascends into heaven we see 120 believers in the upper room only 120 why because the seekers bailed as soon as it got hard you see for many of the seekers it's okay to start as a seeker we all start there we all begin as seekers but for many seekers the real thrill was just watching that was the thrill Don't ask me to actually do anything with my life. Just let me sit back and enjoy the show. They had a real fear of missing out. Any of you guys suffer from from FOMO? Any of you? Fear of missing out? I have some friends who never say no because they never want to miss out. Like they want to be at least attached to everything that we're doing. So they had this fear of missing out, but but they also had a fear of being all in. And you guys know people like this, okay? People who, who just kind of, they're close enough to the action that they feel like they're a part of it. Okay, a couple years ago, they were 49er fans. This year, they're Raider fans, right? <laughs> and now, because of things happening at the Raiders, they're going to be 49er fans again, right? So these are the people, they're, they're just close enough to the action. They feel like they're part of it. But as soon as things get rocky or they don't, you know, they're not proud of repping their colors anymore, they jump ship and go to, they go to a new place. Now, here's the thing. It's okay to begin as a seeker. Jesus doesn't want you to end there, though. We want you to come and seek. But we want to call you to something better, which is the final category represented here. And that's the sold out ones. The sold out ones. The sold out ones were there to meet God. That's why they were there. The sold out ones were there to, be, to, to hear from God. That's why they were there. The sold out ones were there not for a show, not to be entertained, not so that they could be in the know, not so that they can criticize. They were there humbly. They were there authentically. They were there to hear from God, to open up their lives to God and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? How can I change? How can I grow? How can I become the person you want me to be? God, I am yours. I'm all in. Whatever it takes, I repent of my sin. I lay it at your feet. Whatever you want with my life, God, I am in. These are the sold out ones. And this is a great reminder for us in worship. What is our motivation for coming on Sundays? 
Is our motivation to, to just seek or is our motivation to tear down or is our motivation to praise the one who made us and died for us on a cross to lift up the name of Jesus? Is our motivation worship? Is our motivation God alone? Is it about our preferences or is it about meeting with God? Well, the group of friends in our passage would be categorized as the sold out ones. Look at what this group of friends did. Look how sold out they were. Luke chapter 5, listen to what it says. Here are the sold out ones. Behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, what did they do? They went home. No. You see, that's the difference between a seeker and a sold out one. You see, a sold out one, they see the crowd. They see there's no way to get in front of Jesus. And instead of going home saying, well, I tried. I gave my best and now I'm going to go home. No, instead of that, they're like, we are gonna, we're not leaving until we meet with Jesus. So what do they do? They get up on the roof. Remember, they're carrying their friend. They get up on the roof. They dig through the tiles in the roof. And they let their friend down with his bed through the tiles into the midst. And they drop him at the feet of Jesus. In the Greek, it's like he just appeared at the feet of Jesus. You imagine, if, we're, if I'm preaching right now, someone blows a hole in the ceiling and just drops someone down right here, right? Pretty dramatic scene. Why would these guys do that? That's kind of, that sounds like kind of an embarrassing thing to do. They did this because they were sold out. They were not there just to seek. They were not there just to question. They were not going to leave until they got in front of Jesus. And here's the thing. This guy on this bed, he had some great friends. He had some selfless friends. Any of you guys ever had a selfless friend before? Somebody you could rely on? Somebody who doesn't let you just kind of wither away when you're going, when you're down. Someone who doesn't, they know when you're depressed or know when you're struggling. They don't just, they don't just leave you there. They say, hey, all right, get dressed. Go brush your teeth, please. And let's get outside and go have some fun. You know, like they, they, don't, they don't let you just kind of wither away. They, they keep stepping into your life and encouraging you and pushing you. This was, this was th this group. I, I have a friend like this. His name's Matt Greeno. Okay, Matt Greeno. Jonathan knows Matt Greeno. We did ministry together back at Central. Matt Greeno is one of those selfless friends. Matt Greeno, he's one of those guys that you could always count on. He's, he, he's the one, if, if you're moving, don't, you know who your friends are when you're moving, right? <laughs> when you're moving, you don't ask Matt Greeno to come help. Matt Greeno asks you. That's Matt Greeno. When you're sick, Matt Greeno, he, he, he almost reminds me of my mother when I'm sick. Because when I'm sick, he hears I'm sick, and he'll drop off soup in emergency packets at my house. I'm like, thanks, Matt. That's, that's a good friend though, right? Matt Greeno, when you have a broken sprinkler, he's going to stop what he's doing. He's going to come fix your sprinkler. Okay, he is the guy who, he, he, he loves his friends. He'll do anything for his friends. And I just want to tell you this. He's a busy guy. He's married He's a pastor, and he's, he's about to start his master's degree. But one thing that I know about Matt is in his mind, friends come first. The paralyzed man had some great friends. Amazing friends. 
selfless friends who loved the Lord, who believed in Jesus, who believed that they would not let anything get in their way of bringing their buddy to Christ. No crowds could get in the way. No, no tiles on a roof could get in the way. No amount of embarrassment. Nothing could deter them from getting their friend in front of the Savior of the world. And I just want to say we need more friends like this. We need more friends like this. And, and one thing that this is challenging me to ask myself is this. How far would I go to get my friends here? What would I do to make sure my friends get in front of Jesus? What would you do? How far would you go to get your friends in front of Jesus? How far would you go to get your friends at the Naval Air Station in front of Jesus? How far would you go to get your friends at Lemoore High School in front of Jesus? How far would you go to get your friends at work in front of Jesus? It's time, South Valley. It's time. And, and this is encouraging. we got a packed room today. But we still have space, guys. We still have space. It's time to get our friends in front of Jesus. Because here's the thing. The world, the world is a struggle right now, more so than we've seen in, in, in past decades, right? And our friends, they're anxious, they're concerned, they're, they're, they're just wondering what in the world is going to happen with me, my family, my work, all of these different things. Guess what they need? They need a rock. They need stability in their lives. And the only rock, the one true rock, the one who can heal them and strengthen them and give them help, his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants to use us to get our friends in front of him. And so I'm going to hit you with an application right now before moving any further. And it's this. What friends do you need to bring to church? When was the last time you invited your friend to church? One challenge for you today is this. Identify one friend. Identify one friend to bring here to church. At least one. Just, just one. And, and, and don't give up with just a simple invitation. Okay, these guys, they showed up. There was a crowd. There was no way to get into Jesus, so they went home, right? No. They climbed up on the roof. They dug a hole. They dropped their friend in front of Jesus. I want to encourage you. Invite your friends. And don't, don't accept a no answer. Scratch, claw, dig. Do whatever you got to do. Share our posts on social media. Uh, Marcus just came up here to talk about the candy walk. One simple thing you could do, share that post on your Facebook. Get it out there. Invite your friends. That's an easy way to get people on the campus. And, and, and that those special events, start just letting people know we're here. We love you. We want you to come worship with us. Reach your friends. God wants you to reach your friends. He wants to use you to reach your friends. And so what happened with these sold out ones? When they got their friend in front of Jesus, what eventually happened? Well, listen to what the verse says. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. You hear that? When Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, I find this to be interesting, an interesting response from Jesus, because his sermon interruption, okay, if, if, if somebody were to come up here on stage while I'm preaching, I don't know what I would do, okay? I'd be a little thrown off, and I'm pretty sure our security team might tackle you, okay? Just, just warning you. But Jesus, he has this epic sermon interruption. He's in the middle of, of doing some kind of discourse. He's in the middle of this big thing, giant crowd. And he sees this guy lower down, and instead of being angry with him or angry with his friends or even being disgusted. Now, one thing I want to point out, that this sounds terrible, but in Jewish thinking, 
if you had a disease or you were paralyzed or you had a terrible ailment in your body, it's because you had some major sin in your body. And so oftentimes, those who were diseased, if you read Luke 5, there were little cultures of people on the outskirts of town that all the diseased people would hang out together. No one would welcome them in their homes. No one would touch them. No one would have them around the dinner table. They would treat these groups as outcasts. You were paralyzed. You had leprosy. You had a disease. You had some kind of sin problem going on. You were an outcast in society. You know what Jesus does to those people? He touches them. You know what's crazy about Jesus? When Jesus touches an unclean person, instead of their uncleanness getting on him, making him unclean, his cleanness transfers to them, making them clean. Jesus makes the unclean clean, and he breaks down societal norms, and he embraces people who are rejected by society. And he sees this man who goes through all this trouble just to get in front of him, to get at his feet, and his response to this man is, man, your sins are forgiven you. But what in the world did this guy do to even earn forgiveness? He was just laying on his bed. How does he deserve forgiveness? What, what good works? What, what did he do to earn God's love? The answer, he believed. That's it. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. That is what's so amazing about grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. And so our friends, no matter how far they are or how hurt they are or how broken they are, you may wonder at times like, man, so-and-so, he can never change. He can never be saved. He can, he's way too far gone. Get him in front of Jesus. If he believes, guess what? He is saved. Born again. Now, the cool thing about God's grace, the sermon series is titled, what, what do you know about grace? I want you to notice today that there are two healings in this passage. The first healing is a healing of the soul. Man, your sins are forgiven you. The second healing is a healing of the body. Take up your bed and walk. Two healings in this passage. Now, why heal the soul first. Why did Jesus focus first and foremost? These guys are bringing a paralyzed man in front of him. Why is his first response, your sins are forgiven you? Why heal the soul first? Because, believe it or not, no matter what you're going through in this life, no matter what kind of troubles have mounted up in your world, no matter what kind of needs you think you might have right here and right now, your greatest need, your highest need of all is forgiveness. It's easy to fixate on peripheral needs. God, I need money. I need a new relationship. I need a new shiny toy. I need physical healing. I need this. I, I need a house. I need a new job. I, I need these things. But when in reality, our greatest need of all is forgiveness. And so before moving any further, you need to ask yourself, are you forgiven? Some of you came today with different needs, wanting to see those needs met. But Jesus wants to start with your greatest need of all. Before he shows you grace in those other areas, your greatest need of all is forgiveness. Well, this public declaration of forgiveness, it really fired up the skeptics. Fired up the skeptics. Look at what the skeptics said. Said in the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to question saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, okay, that's how you know Jesus is God. He can hear your thoughts. He answered them, 
Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, rise. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he'd been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Two healings. This should give us hope. Because one thing we're going to see in this sermon series is that Jesus' grace doesn't just stop at salvation. It begins with our greatest need of all. Your greatest need is forgiveness. Your greatest need is a relationship with God. But Jesus doesn't stop there. We learn in Scripture Jesus has grace upon grace. Grace after grace after grace. For from his fullness, it, we've all received grace upon grace. Now, now when the, the, the crowds, when the skeptics hear Jesus forgiving, their first response is, wow, he's a blasphemer. Now, blasphemy, if you don't know, it's, it's speaking evil of God or it's claiming to actually be God. In this act from Jesus, it would have been qualified as blasphemy if Jesus was in fact a, a, a heretic, if he wasn't actually God. But the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh meant that he in fact had the authority to forgive sins. And some people, they like to say that Jesus never claimed to be God, but passages like this are a reminder of why Jesus was crucified in the first place. He was crucified for claiming to be God. He was crucified for demonstrating that he was in fact God. And, and so what's so cool about this passage is it doesn't start, stop at salvation. It goes beyond salvation from healing the soul to actually healing the body. He says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And the man picked up his bed and he went home glorifying God. And so here's the point here. Saving grace is often accompanied by a physical change. Saving grace is often accompanied by a physical change. Okay, the miracle on the outside was an external sign that validated the miracle on the inside. You see, the skeptics, they could not see whether or not the man was truly forgiven. When I look at all of you today, although you are all very beautiful people, very great people, I can't look at you and say if you're forgiven or not. I can't see your soul. But you know what I can see? The fruit of your life. You know what I can see? A changed worldview. A changed way of living. A renewed lifestyle. You see, the skeptics, they couldn't, they couldn't see, in fact, that this guy was forgiven. And so Jesus says, you don't believe that I forgave him? You don't believe that I healed his soul? Watch what I'm going to do to his body. And he says, take, rise, take up your bed and walk. And so the outward sign validated the inward change. I want to ask you today, has Jesus changed you? Has Jesus changed you? It's one thing to say that you believe. It's another thing to believe and put it into practice. It's one thing to say that you're in. It's another thing to actually be in and live out an entirely different lifestyle. Salvation doesn't stop at, at you believing in Jesus. It, it, it's a progressive 
process in your life where you're growing and and you bear fruit and you grow in love and you change your lifestyle and and there's outward evidence of an inward change. Next weekend, we're going to see over a dozen people proclaim that they have been changed on the inside through the waters of baptism. Over a dozen people are signing up for that. If you want to get baptized, sign up and get baptized. But here's the thing. The sign on the outside points to a real change on the inside. And so here's, here's another application for us today, and it's this. Act upon your faith. Act upon your faith. It's one thing to say that we believe. It's another thing to actually live it. To walk the walk. To refuse to allow anything to get in between us and Jesus. It's one thing to say we believe. It's another thing to share that we believe. I want to encourage you to act upon your faith this week. Carry your faith with you, around with you, everywhere you go. Because fruit, fruit on the outside is the evidence of change on the inside. And so maybe this week you need to challenge yourself in the area of your faith. What's one way you could challenge yourself? To actually live, when was the last time you challenged yourself to do something risky for Jesus? When was the last time you did that? Where you sacrificed or you signed up for something, or you gave to something, or you invested your life and your time and your energy into something. You, you sacrificed for the sake of, of, of living out your faith, not just saying you believe, but actually putting your belief into practice. I, just a cool story. The other week, I wanted to get my neighbors here to church, and I'm starting with the candy walk. Okay, So I figured I'll get them here first through a fun event. And so I invited my neighbors Last night, I was working out in the garage. My neighbors came across the street, and they're like, hey, just letting you know, we went and purchased uh, costumes. We're going to be dressed up as Mandalorian, and we're coming to the candy walk, okay? So it starts with just a simple, just saying, you know what, God? I'm going to act on my faith. I'm not going to just sit in a, in, in a chair and listen to the word or, or raise my hands and worship. I'm going to act on it and watch what he does as he begins to work and change the people around you. So the skeptics, they left angry. The sold out ones, they left changed. But what happened to the seekers? What happened to the seekers? Listen to the rest of the passage. It says, an amazement fell upon them all. And they glorified God And we're filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. That was the seekers. Now, on the surface, this sounds like a very cool response. It sounds like, wow, they got a show. And they're leaving this place saying, wow, we saw something really cool today. But in the Greek, what's really interesting is that that phrase, extraordinary things, actually actually means strange things. And so what they're saying is, wow, we saw some really bizarre things today. Like, I've never seen someone lower somebody down in the middle of a sermon. That was insane. That was crazy. But but here's the thing. It might sound on the surface like the seekers were were in awe and impressed, and maybe that it led to life change. But actually, all all they did was just say, wow, that was cool. And then they left, and they carried on with their lives as if nothing ever changed. And I know that because one of the commentators, he says this, commenting on the Greek. He says the, the, the response is curiously noncommittal. It's not void of wonder and amazement, but it's utterly void of true faith. So I'm going to conclude now with this. Which group in the crowd do you relate to today? We talked about the skeptics. We talked about the seekers. We talked about the sold out ones. 
My encouragement through this series is that you would take steps of faith. If you're a a skeptic, that you would become a seeker. If you're a seeker, that you would become sold out. Who do you relate to in the crowd today? Which groups do you relate to this morning? Are you a skeptic? Are you always trying to discredit Jesus? Are you always looking for a reason not to believe? Are you always looking for a reason not to follow? If if, if you have an excuse for not putting your faith in Jesus and you've had excuses upon excuses, then you're probably a skeptic. And so if you're a skeptic, I want to encourage you to take a a step of faith today and become a seeker. Open your mind, open your heart, and allow God to do things in you that you could never do in in yourself. Have an openness to hear from the Lord. The other group that we talked about today are the seekers. Are you here today as a seeker? Are you always near the action, but never really in the action? Okay, church is something that you watch, but it's not always something that you do. And that's especially a message for those online. And so for those of you watching online, if you're watching online for health reasons, we totally understand that. Like, take care of your health, protect yourself. But if you're watching online over all this time because you've you've created a habit of not gathering with the brothers and sisters, then maybe you need to take a step towards getting back and being with people, making friends, getting plugged in, seeing people face to face. So seekers, if you're a seeker, these are some, some signs that you might be a seeker. If you've never served at church, then you may be a seeker. If you've never shared your faith, then you may just be a seeker. If you've never given financially or sacrificially to the mission, then you may just be a seeker. And being a seeker is is fine for a time, but eventually you must decide if you're in or if you're out. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a seeker, take a step of faith today. Become Go from a seeker to a sold out one, which is the final category. Are you a sold out one? Do you refuse to quit on your faith? Do you refuse to quit on your church? Will you do just about anything to see your friend come to Christ? If you're sold out, I want to encourage you to help others around you become sold out. And so in application, we have three points here. The first is this. Commit to bringing a friend to church. When we see this passage today, when we hear the word of God, my hope is that we would not just hear the word of God and forget the word of God, but that we would see it and apply it to our lives. What we see in this passage are a group of friends bringing their buddy to church and making sure that nothing got in their way. They refuse to, they refuse to hear the word no. And so I want to encourage you, commit to bringing a friend to church. The second way you can apply this message today is live out your faith in public. Faith is not something that we hide. Faith is not something that we do behind closed doors. Faith is something that we demonstrate. There is fruit to our faith. Just as the man picked up his bed and walked, demonstrated that he was saved on the inside, so we too demonstrate our faith by living it out in public. And finally, number three, sacrifice for the mission of God. It's easy over time to grow comfortable. It's easy over time to grow inward focused. And Jesus is showing here that these guys were willing to sacrifice whatever it took, whatever got in the way. They were never going to say no. They were willing to, to, to embarrass themselves. They were willing to do whatever, they, whatever was needed to be done to, to fulfill the mission of God. And so I want to encourage you, sacrifice for the mission of God. We're going to close now with uh, just one more song, uh, a part of a song. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to consider which way you need to apply today's message. 
And if you need prayer this morning, I'm going to be available here in the front after service. We'd love to pray with you. And I want to encourage you also, remember to invite your friends, invite them to Candy Walk, invite them here. This is a great sermon series. Next week, we're talking about a, a man who, or a woman who was defined by her sin, the sinful woman. She, she has an emotional breakdown in Jesus's presence. And Jesus does something incredible to her. And so I, I want to encourage you, invite your friends throughout this series. And let's sing one more song together. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this group. Thank you for loving us. I thank you for meeting us in, in hard seasons and times where our bodies are not working. And I pray, God, that even though when our body's not working, it seeps down into our souls, I pray that we would see that you heal souls. You don't just heal souls, you even heal bodies. So I pray that we would see grace upon grace in our lives, grace upon grace in the lives of our friends, grace upon grace in the life of this church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.